1: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Today, we begin a journey through Joshua. The series is called Promised Land Living. We're going to see how the principles of Promised Land Living that God gives His ancient people are able to be applied today for us. Today, in sermon number one, the key concept is this, courage is always required. That's what we'll see in Joshua chapter 1, the call is to courage. It's always required. Before we get to the text this morning, I want to give you some background in terms of where we are regarding the flow of the Word of God. Back in Genesis, God brought Abraham to the land of Canaan, which we call the the promised land. And while he was there, God gave Abraham three great promises. Number one, he said that his children would form a great nation. That's the nation Israel. The second promise was that from his people, the blessing of the entire world would come. And that was fulfilled, of course, in Jesus Christ. And he also promised Abraham that his descendants, his children, would inherit the land where he stood when God made these promises. And that was the land of Canaan. That third promise is in Genesis 15. It goes like this. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. Your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now in that rather complicated prediction, we see the outline of history that's recorded for us in the Scriptures from the end of the book of Genesis, through the book of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way up to the beginning of Joshua chapter 1. Over this time period, and it seems that the 400 years was a bit of a round number that God was mentioning, but over this time period, they have become, they have been slaves in Egypt, they have escaped from their slavery, they have come to the borders of the promised land only to reject the inheritance and wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they're back. As Joshua chapter 1 begins, the children of Israel are on the borders of the promised land again, and they are preparing to go in. And here the book of Joshua begins. Moses is dead, but the purposes of God are not. The work continues. John Wesley is quoted as saying, God varies his workmen, but his work goes on. And now for the work to go on, it's time for Joshua to step into center stage. So read with me. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. You follow along as I read. It says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's Joshua's time. Now, we have seen Joshua before in the flow of Scripture. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses selects Joshua to be in charge of the armies as they battle against the Amalekites. In Exodus 24, he shows up again with the title of Moses' assistant. And he goes up the mountain of Sinai with Moses to receive the Ten Commandments. He's part of Moses' leadership team in Numbers chapter 11. And in Numbers 31, he is one of the 12 spies that are sent into the land to scout out the situation at the first time where they were at the borders of the promised land. And the result is he's one of only two of the spies that give a reassuring report saying, we must go up, we can defeat these enemies. But that opinion did not prevail. And the children of Israel in their Panic, so to speak, rejected the opportunity and have been wandering for 40 years. But Joshua is still here, still alive. He's been primed for this role. He's been prepared. But the going is not going to be easy. And Joshua is placed into leadership without any grace period, it seems. There's no honeymoon time for him to get used to running the, the, the show. God is saying to Joshua, you need to get this nation on war footing, and it needs to happen fast, because you're about to go into the land. As we read chapter 1, we get the impression that Joshua is nervous about his new role. And God speaks words of reassurance. Life is filled with fearful things. Life is filled with moments where it takes courage in order to move forward. It happens all the time. You, along with with me, we've all felt that, am I going to be able to do this moment when we are faced with a challenge? It's a combination feeling. When you stand in this, am I able to do this moment, you feel fear, you feel excitement, you feel some sort of uh, uh, overwhelmed combination here. But we all come to moments in life where that's the feeling. Parents, you felt it. When they took that baby home from the hospital for the first time, you were immediately in love with this child, with every fiber of your being. But there were nights when you looked down in that crib and you said to yourself, I am responsible to feed and clothe and teach and guide this life for the next 21 plus years. And you said, am I able? You felt it at work when your boss gave you a large project. It felt good to be entrusted with uh, something that was important. But also it was fearful. Am I going to be able to accomplish this? Can I get the job done? You felt it when you were in the mortgage broker office signing the papers. And you saw the amount of the mortgage on that house and the monthly payments. And you said to yourself... Hold it. Am I able to do this? Back in high school and college, you felt that am I able to do it moment as the exams came. When you signed up for sports teams, you felt it. Am I able to achieve? Will I be able to accomplish? Life is filled with these moments. And the history of the world is that of individuals who rise to the occasion despite fear. Why? Courage is always required. That's what Joshua is going through here. Lead the nation. Conquer the land. Take possession. His questions are, can I do this? Will they follow me? Is this a good plan? But what gives him strength is the promise of verse 5. I will be with you. I will be with you. Take courage. You have to see what's not said. Understand what God doesn't say. He doesn't say, Joshua, don't be so hard on yourself. Joshua, listen, look at all that you have going for you. Let's let's take a list of your assets. Let's take a list of your abilities. You have been schooled on the side of the great man, Moses. You have paid your dues. You have put in your time. You have led armies. You have achieved victories. You were one of only two spies who had the right attitude. You saw the truth. You've been elevated in the eyes of the nation, and now you're the leader. Joshua, you have got this. God does not say any of that. Even though it was all true. He doesn't say any of that because none of that is going to get the job done. What's going to get the job done? I'm going to be with you. And that same promise is made to you. Hebrews 13, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I'll be with you. In those, can I do this moments, maybe the message is no. But God can. God is saying to Joshua, if you're wondering whether you're up to the job, if you're wondering if you're able here, let me just tell you right now. You're not up to the job. It's beyond you, but nothing is beyond me. And God reassures him of that again. Look at verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, here's promised land living. Promised land living is when you realize that I am not able, but I still expect to sing the songs of victory because God is able. I still expect to see the victory. God is wonderfully able. It's not going to be easy for Joshua. There's going to be real battles with real warfare, with real struggles. Joshua is a history book, but it's also a teaching book. It's a book that shows us about how we live for the Lord, and it's relevant in the time and in the place that we live today. Because just like the children of Israel are going to go into a place where the culture was hostile to the things of the one true God, where they have heard about the one true God, but are keeping Him at arm's distance, rebelling against Him, that's the culture in which you live. And God says to you, I will be with you. Courage is required. The same God that motivates Joshua is motivating us. The same God that was with Joshua is with us. Now we need to make a few things clear as we begin the study of the book of Joshua that sometimes are confused. And that is how these historical realities are meant to symbolize truth for us. The the promised land is not a metaphor for heaven. The Jordan River is not a metaphor for death. Even though our hymn writers over the course of history have confused us about that. We need to be unconfused. Every once in a while you'll sing a hymn and it talks about crossing the Jordan and it's talking about death and that kind of thing. It may make for good poetry but it's bad Bible. Okay? Because It doesn't square with what we know. Heaven is going to be a place where you're going to have any enemies. Canaan is filled with enemies. Heaven is a place where you will not have to fight any battles. Canaan is filled with battles. In heaven, there will be no sin and there will be no failure, but you're going to see a lot of sin and failure as we walk through the book of Joshua. See, it's not a picture for going to glory. It's a picture for promised land living in the struggle here and now. How do we live on war footing, with a wartime mentality, recognizing that there's a struggle ahead? The principles that we see are meant to be applied today. Number one, courage is required. Now, when God gives this message to to Joshua, he says a few things that we need to notice so that we we, we put ourselves in the the proper perspective. The first thing he says is about Israel's borders. And he says, you will have all the land on which you place your feet. And here's where God wants them to place their feet. Verse 4. He says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west, that's the Mediterranean. If you were looking at a map as I was reading that verse, what you'd see is this. What God says is going to be the borders of the land of Israel are, is far larger than Israel ever really was. Israel never filled those borders. Not even in the the great moments of the kingdom of David and Solomon. They never expanded to those borders. So we need to ask the question, what happened? Why not? And the answer is, this promise had a proviso. And the proviso was obedience. We're ultimately going to see that as the children of Israel move into their promised land living, they don't keep their side of the bargain. God is ready to keep his word, but very early on, as the children of Israel achieve accomplishments and win some battles, get a little comfortable, they quickly compromise. And with the compromise comes the shrinking of the borders, and the shrinking of the borders reminds us that if we're going to live promised land living, it will call for obedience. The borders remind us of that. God also talks about their battles that are ahead. Look at verse 5. He says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. There will be battles ahead. The victory is going to come, he says, but it's going to take effort. And courage will be required in the struggles. One of the things we're going to talk about in the book of Joshua and notice is that the children of Israel are the arm of God's judgment against evil and sinful societies at this moment in history. But as the children of Israel themselves later on in history become an evil society, someone else is the arm of God's judgment against them. You see, God is at this point dealing with civilizations and he recognizes that they have battles ahead. The sin of the Amorites now is filled. That's the, We call them the Canaanites. And what will happen as they go into the promised land is that a wilderness mentality will not get the job done. A wilderness mentality says, I can't do it. I can't achieve. When the going gets tough, let's go back to what's familiar. Even if what's familiar is lousy, it's better than challenge. That's a wilderness mentality. But a promised land mentality, which gives promised land living, is this. I know I am weak, but he is strong. I know I can't, but God is able. I can face the challenges that are come are coming my way. Wilderness mentality brings surrender, but promised land living is never surrender. I see victory just around the bend. Because God is on my side. That's what's called for. And thirdly, God reminds them of the book that they have at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. There is a moment that we can't miss. There is a moment in history happening right here. These are the first people to be able to, to open a book and read the Word of God. It's here. It's right now, this moment. Moses has written the first five books of the Bible. He's written what we call the Torah or the Pentateuch. He is now dead. The, the, the books are completed. And Joshua is told, listen, you're going to need to go to those, those books. You're going to need to unroll those scrolls and read that law and recognize that through it, I'm speaking to you. You're going to enter a land that has heard about the one true God, but has no allegiance to Him. And if you're going to be able to accomplish the mission ahead, you need to be led by the Word. So be in the Word. They're not only to read the Word. He says, I want you to meditate on it. Look at verse 8. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We need to be a people of the word. That's promised land living. And we need to meditate on the word. Now, some of us are nervous about that word, meditate. It's a kind of a squishy word. What do we we mean? Meditate. I don't even know how to do it. How do I meditate? Here's the thing. If you can worry, you can meditate. Meditate. It's the same dynamic. Really, it's just bringing to mind the things that, that are important. And when you're worrying, that's what you're doing, right? Over the course of the day, going to work, driving here, doing that, all of a sudden something will pop into your mind. Oh, I'm worried about that. Well, what brought that to mind? It's just, it's just I'm worried about it. It's kind of saturating my thinking at this point. Meditating is just turning that same thing positive, Letting the positive Word of God saturate your thinking. Allow the Word of God to be what springs to your mind over the course of the day. And we need to return to it over and over again. Allow that passage that you read to come to mind as you drive, to come to mind as you go to lunch, to get to be a part of your day. And and we are called to obey this just like Joshua is called to obey this. Meditate on the Word. Very practically, how do you do that? Well, there's some implied things that we're going to need to do. Number one, we're going to need to read the Word. Number two, we're going to need to, uh, uh, after we read the Word, we're going to need to ask God what we're supposed to concentrate on on the Word and and then take a piece of what we read in the Word and carry it forward through our day, each and every day. God wants us to do that. And as we do that, we are able to... Call to mind and allow that Word of God to in, infiltrate our lives and to uh, uh, saturate our day. The advice is to Joshua, you need to be able to do that, because as you lead the people, the chart the, the course that you 're going to chart is not going to be based on what is popular or what you get through opinion polls. you 're not going to be able to go to the people and say, "Hey, guys, what do you want to do next?" You're going to need to be led by the Lord. And and the the children of Israel are going to need to go from a people led by a person to a people led by a person who was led by the Word of God. And as you are led by the Word of God, I'm going to give you success in all that you do. Because the Word of God never changes, just like God never changes. It's like the farmer who is trying to teach his son how to plow a field. He said, son, as you, you know, as you hook up the plow and you get ready to plow the, 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 the lines in the field, I want you to see something on the other, other side. Just fix, fix your eyes on something on the other side of the field and plow straight forward, uh, towards it. And then turn and do the same thing back, and then back, and then back, and you'll get straight lines every time you plow. Okay? The son agreed, yep, sure, that's fine, that's what I'm going to do. father went away, came back a couple hours later, and the plow lines were all over the place in the field. And the father said, I thought I told you to set your sight on something straight across the field and then plow towards it. Because that's what I did. But the rabbit kept hopping away. (laughs) The point is, if we're going to get a straight line, if we're going to live a life that's going to be designed by the straight line of God, we need his word. Something that doesn't change. Something that doesn't move. Joshua receives that. And then Joshua then gives direction to the people. First to the leaders of the people, he says, prepare. So Joshua, verse 10, ordered the officers of the people go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving for your own. Prepare. See, it's been a theory for 40 years, but it's going to be a reality in three days. So you've got to get ready. And then he says to the eastern tribes, because some of the tribes are already home. On the eastern side of the Jordan River, they built their houses. This was their inheritance, their part of the land. Remember, the Jordan was not to be the dividing line of of the nation Israel initially. And he says to those who have already settled down, I want you to go and help your brothers and and sisters in the land. I want you to fight with them. Verse 14. To them, he says, your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men fully armed would cross over ahead of your brothers. And he does that to establish a principle of promised land living that we need to understand, and that is we are partners. We are partners in the work that God wants us to do. And I want you to see that that ethic of partnership partnering with what God is doing in our city and in our world is exactly what prompts our go lift every church projects. We, like the Eastern tribes, say we are here to help. We are not in competition. We are not we are not you know against one another. We want to help the gospel preaching ministries here in Stockton to elevate themselves in their ministry so that together we can achieve the gospel work. It's exactly the principle that we see right here. Joshua says, help your brothers and sisters. But all of this will require courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the mastery of fear. So what are you afraid of? What is it that stops you? Are you afraid to bring up a spiritual conversation in your circle of friends or, or even in your marriage? Are you afraid to steer your life more profoundly toward a 100% commitment to the Lord? Are you afraid to say yes to a service for the Lord that, that might cut in on your free time and on your recreation? Courage to do what is right means feeling the fear but being faithful anyway. And what gives you the strength for that kind of courage? It is allowing this promise to be engraved on your heart. God will never leave you or forsake you. And God is always enough. That's where we find the courage that is always required. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to be courageous. Because in the week ahead, we are going to need it. Help us to be faithful. Because it's easy to stay behind. To stay in the shadows. And Lord, we pray that we will... Follow your way, no matter where it leads. We trust you. We love you. And we know that you love us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to go our separate ways and leave this room to the things of the day. But before we do that, I want to remind you, we always have prayer counselors next to the organ. They're waiting to pray with you concerning the issues that you face. They'll wait for you. You slip forward. But before we do that, let's stand together for prayer. And before we do that, we're going to sing. In 30 seconds. It goes like this. You know the song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Lord, help us to be faithful followers. Help us to find the courage. We will not turn back because you are with us. Assure us of that truth. And in the week ahead, help us to live for your glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.